Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics and emerging issues. I'm your host, Carly McMoore, and together with the AJP, I'm bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like and rate each episode and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Uh, good morning. My name is Paul Sinclair. Um, I'm a practicing community pharmacist based in Sydney, Australia. Um, I'm also the president of FIP, the International Pharmaceutical Federation. Uh, I took over that role in September of this year at the FIP World Congress of Pharmacy in Brisbane. Thank you. Um, Paul, I thought I'd ask you what your thoughts are about what some of the main issues and priorities are for pharmacists worldwide. Yes, well, there are common issues across the pharmacy uh, spectrum. Uh, certainly COVID has created workforce issues um, across the pharmacy uh, profession. Uh, we see that um, in most countries uh, where there are uh, shortages of uh, professional capacity, uh, despite the fact that um, there are uh, more and more universities uh, offering uh, pharmacy degrees, both in uh, graduate degrees and undergraduate degrees. So that's, a, that's an issue because um, capacity uh, and workforce is the key to um, outcomes. Um, and while ever there is pressure on uh, workforce, it limits your ability to um, expand your scope of practice, uh, to do more and to deliver more. So that's a, um, that's a key issue. Um, certainly uh, scope of practice itself, uh, particularly amongst the more developed marketplaces, um, is, a, uh, is a key um, issue at the moment. Uh, we certainly see here in Australia, there are um, trials of expanded scope of practice for pharmacists. Uh, they are happening across uh, the pharmacy world. Uh, they are well established in a number of places in the UK uh, where uh, there are pharmacists uh, prescribing has been um, embedded for some small time. Uh, in places uh, such as North America, we see uh, uh, the same with uh, minor ailment schemes. Um, in the less developed countries, uh, the focus is more in the, uh, and the issues are more related to uh, standards of practice, regulation of practice, uh, to ensure that um, there are pharmacists um, involved in the practice of pharmacy and um, in the pharmacy uh, business uh, in a number of places that isn't mandated. Uh, so that's, um, that's a key issue, particularly in, um, uh, in a number of uh, developing countries. So there's a broad um, there's a broad range of issues. Um, there are some which are shared, such as uh, the workforce uh, and uh, sustainability um, within uh, within the practice of pharmacy. Uh, but um, uh, each of those um, each of those issues um, can be dealt with um, and uh, needs to be dealt with on um, on jurisdiction by jurisdiction basis. Okay. These main issues have they have they been in place for a while? Are they look um, are they being worked towards resolving or they're still ongoing issues? A, a number of them are ongoing. Um, certainly the, the workforce issue has been exacerbated by COVID. Um, and I can sort of speak from our experience here in Australia. Uh, our pharmacy workforce was put under extreme pressure when a lot of other primary health care providers, in particular general practitioners, uh, closed their doors and went to a virtual model um, rather than a face-to-face -face, um, provision of care. Uh, that put extraordinary pressure on pharmacy as the first point of 
of um, or the first touch point of uh, primary health delivery. Uh, we had a number of um, uh, pharmacists who uh, who uh, uh, died because of COVID. We had a number of um, a lot of pharmacists who were um, under extreme work uh, uh, workplace pressures uh, from uh, both um, the, uh, the aggression from uh, from clients who who didn't and patients who didn't understand the uh, the pressures they were working under, and also the requirements of extended hours and a and a much heavier workload. So that has carried forward from uh, COVID. Um, and those shortages are still being felt. We did lose a number of pharmacists from the profession as a result of COVID. Um, and that capacity, I believe, is yet to be backfilled. Um, in other areas, uh, when we talk about um, regulation and best practice, uh, certainly in countries like um, India, where there are um, hundreds of thousands of uh, pharmacies um, and uh, the better ones operate under a a, a well-defined regulatory framework um, and uh, have uh, qualified pharmacists um, in their pharmacies. But at, um, in some cases, uh, they are simply places of commerce. Uh, there is less uh, scrutiny as to the um, source of, uh, of medicines and there are issues around falsified and substandard medicines. And in a number of these places, you may not have a, a pharmacist on duty within the pharmacy. So there are um, uh, those issues um, with the recognition that a regulatory framework um, uh, will help to promote and uh, take the, uh, the profession forward uh, are being dealt with. But we're very fortunate in Australia, for instance, and North America and, and, the, and Europe and the UK, a pharmacy is generally speaking a very highly regulated profession. And that has helped to maintain minimum standards of practice um, and also to give a uh, platform for a, um, a very high degree of trust by our patients in our profession. Brilliant. Um, you've mentioned a little, but I thought I'd ask you if there's more you wanted to add to what are some of the main issues and priorities for pharmacists, specifically in Australia? Well, it's a uh, very challenging time uh, in Australia in the uh, in the pharmacy profession at the moment, and uh, in particular within the um, community pharmacy model. Uh, we've recently had a policy uh, implemented by uh, government to uh, increase the supply of um, over 300 molecules from one month to two months. Uh, that has had a dramatic impact and will have a dramatic impact on the uh, on the viability of um, many community pharmacies because uh, the pharmacist is actually funding all of the savings that are being generated by this measure. Um, now, government has uh, has said it will reinvest 100% of those savings into pharmacy, uh, but the problem there is that the uh, savings are coming off the bottom line and the reinvestment will be yeah, at the top line. So uh, perhaps only uh, 20 or 25% of that reinvestment will fall through to the bottom line and pharmacy will have to work much harder to achieve that. So it's, um, while it sounds like it's a net zero effect, uh, the effect is quite dramatic. Um, and that is something um, which um, the Guild and the PSA in, um, in HCPA negotiations uh, will, have to, um, will have to deal with. Um, and hopefully government will recognise the, um, the value of the pharmacist um, and there will be um, uh, uh, compensatory or other programs uh, which will uh, well and truly compensate for the, uh, for the impact of that. Everyone wants uh, patients to have cheaper medicines 
but um, there is an equity uh, question around who should pay for that. And under this measure, 100% uh, of the cost is being um, subsidised by the uh, by the pharmacist, um, and that um, that is simply which uh, something which is not sustainable. Uh, other issues in Australia are certainly scope of practice expansion. Uh, we see a number of trials um, in Australia at the moment, both for UTIs and more broadly minor ailments. Uh, I think that um, based on our ability to um, upskill ourselves, um, as we as we have shown with uh, vaccination. Um, I would anticipate that these will be very successful and government will further acknowledge the capacity and the convenience and the accessibility of community pharmacy. And we'll see that um, those um, trials will be embedded um, as, um, as fully implemented um, practice within community pharmacy. And that will be a very, very good thing for our profession. Thank you. Um, I thought I'd find out what are some of the main goals for the FIP for 2024? Yes, certainly. The main goals for FIP um, upcoming in 2024, uh, we had our World Congress of Pharmacy in Brisbane in uh, September of this year. And certainly one of the strong uh, themes and one of the strong takeaways uh, from participants in that Congress, and they were gathered from all over the world, uh, was sustainability. Um, sustainability in the practice of pharmacy, sustainability in the production of pharmaceuticals. In fact, everything we do within the pharmacy workplace, um, both from creation to medicine, of medicine, through delivery, um, and then through to uh, dispensing and delivery to patients and the patients um, uh, consuming the medicines, uh, we need to be uh, aware of um, the impacts of that on our environment. Um, and how that uh, may play into um, uh, other things um, such as climate change. Uh, while perhaps we haven't been as engaged as possible, these are now very uh, front of mind and serious considerations that uh, need to be addressed in everything we do, particularly amongst the younger cohort of pharmacists. Um, and they see themselves as having a very important role um, in uh, preserving um, our environment uh, and we need to be absolutely um, critically aware of any impact that anything we do can have on the uh, environment. So certainly sustainability. Um, workforce um, is, a, uh, is another issue that um, FIP is, uh, is dealing with because of the, um, uh, the very uh, uh, present uh, and uh, everyone's aware of the shortages within, within, um, within our workforce. And if we are going to improve capacity, um, and we're going to improve um, uh, the uh, scope of our practice. We have to have a, a professional uh, workforce that can deliver against those expectations. Uh, we have um, uh, uh, education um, is a, a major initiative with uh, FIPED. Uh, FIPED is the uh, is the uh, the silo or the branch within FIP uh, that delivers education. Uh, in FIPED, we have a mantra that says. Um, Without a educated um, uh, workforce, um, there is no workforce, um, and education is key to everything we do. Um, in developing countries, education is probably the biggest single enabler um, to lift um, people um, into a professional landscape and for them to then deliver in that landscape. Uh, it is uh, FIP has a, a very important program called UniTwin which is a program which matches 
the resources and skills within a developed education environment, such as North America, with an environment where there is less capacity, it is less developed, but there is um, certainly a, uh, a significant need for those resources. So that might mean a twinning or a matching of a university um, in North America with a university in Africa. Um, and they can have the advantage of the resources and the skills and the capacity of that university to help raise the educational standards within that developing country. And that's a, uh, that's a very, very important program for FIP. Um, can you tell us how it feels to be the first Australian FIP elect president? Um, yes, well, look, I must say I was extremely, um, I felt extremely proud and honoured uh, to uh, be elected into that position. Um, I, uh, there have been um, some, in recent times, some um, outstanding uh, presidents of FIP, including Dominic Jordan, our immediate um, past president. Uh, Carmen Pena and from Spain and Michelle Bookman from Switzerland. Um, the challenge with FIP um, over time has been that um, it is based in Europe um, and the headquarters are in The Hague in the Netherlands. So it is a challenge to, um, to have um, uh, senior representation from the Southern Hemisphere. Um, Australia is very well representative, uh, well represented um, on the Bureau um, uh, Professor Ross McKinnon and uh, Professor Pariz Razlani uh, are both um, uh, Australian academics and are both on the Bureau. And Australia has been very well represented over time um, at senior levels uh, within FIP. But uh, to have an Australian president, um, I do feel uh, very privileged um, because um, it's a great honour. Um, it's an opportunity to represent and to advocate for our profession both locally and globally, um, and um, I certainly take that responsibility and that opportunity very seriously. Um, and I would hope that um, uh, when my uh, term is finished in four years' time, then I can look back and um, and know that I um, have made a difference um, and that um, I have committed um, all of my energies towards the uh, promotion of our profession. You. Can you please describe um, your career to date with FIP and what led to you, um, yeah, becoming the FIP president? Just for the audience, maybe some motivation, just to see how it, yeah, how your career took yeah. its path. Certainly, certainly. Um, I'd um, I've been very fortunate in that I have had a long career in uh, representative organisations within um, pharmacy. Um, I was involved with um, the Pharmacy Guild of Australia, both at um, New South Wales and national level. Um, and that gave me a, um, a good grounding, I think, in, um, in uh, pharmacy advocacy um, and the role of uh, pharmacists in uh, promotion um, of, uh, of both the profession and, um, and, our, uh, and our capacity uh, to deliver. Uh, in 2010, I was, um, I was nominated to, the, um, to uh, stand for the election of um, a member of the um, executive committee of the community pharmacy section um, within FIP. FIP is structured with um, two boards, the Board of Pharmaceutical Practice and the Board of Pharmaceutical Science. And a third um, uh, a pillar is FIP-Ed. Um, in the Board of Pharmaceutical Practice, community pharmacy is the biggest section. Um, and I was fortunate enough at the FIP Congress in Lisbon in 2010 to be elected um, to that executive committee. 
Uh, and uh, from there, um, I was elected um, a couple of years later as president of the community pharmacy section. Um, I then went um, uh, to uh, the next um, uh, nomination I received was to chair the Board of Pharmaceutical Practice uh, in 2014, 2016. Um, and then at that time, I uh, joined the Bureau, which is like the Board of Management of um, FIP, uh, and uh, uh, which I enjoyed very much and gave me a much stronger appreciation um, of the uh, the management um, of FIP at the um, at the board level. Um, and then um, I had the opportunity uh, to be nominated for the president's role in September of 2022 um, at the Congress in Seville. Um, I was supported in that nomination and was successful. Um, and uh, I spent the previous 12, 12 months as uh, president elect. And my term as president started um, in uh, September of this year, although it was um, brought forward a, a month or so because of the unfortunate uh, passing of the incumbent uh, president, uh, Mr. Dominic Jordan from Switzerland. So it's been a um, it's been a, a very very um, interesting journey for me. Um, I have met some wonderful people and made a very strong network. Um, of uh, pharmacy professional colleagues um, across the world. Um, and those colleagues are based not just in practice, but FIP is the global home of pharmacy in all its disciplines. So that is uh, pharmaceutical practice, pharmaceutical science, which includes um, drug formulation and drug delivery, um, and also pharmaceutical education. So it's, a, um, it's, it's given me a, a very good view um, of the workings of um, all of the uh, players and all of the actors within uh, the pharmacy uh, landscape. And um, I'm very thankful um, for the opportunities um, that I've have been given, uh, particularly in this um, in this international arena. Um, and I see and I see very clearly the impact that pharmacy can have in every country and the impact that pharmacy does have um, in every country, regardless of their, uh, the point of development of that pharmacy marketplace. And um, FIP's uh, mantra is uh, to promote pharmacy worldwide. Um, and certainly that will be my focus for the next four years. I might ask what your advice might be to pharmacists worldwide about their profession, because there's been a lot of um, fast adaption and changes in pharmacies over the last few years. And what are some of the best or entrepreneurial changes that you have seen worldwide? Um, yes, so um, advice to pharmacists across the, the world. Um, well, I guess it needs to be tempered by looking at which particular marketplace you're in, because pharmacies in developing countries are at a different point to uh, pharmacies in, in uh, the highly developed countries such as Australia and um, North America. Um, I guess the advice I would give any pharmacist is to strive to be the very best they can be. Um, whatever stage of development their uh, pharmacy industry is at, uh, but pharmacists uniquely um, are regarded um, as one of the most trusted professions. Um, and it's important that we leverage that trust and we leverage the accessibility that pharmacy um, has within all communities. So that it's um, it's a case of, um, of uh, utilising and leveraging your position within the primary healthcare uh, marketplace in which you uh, in which you practice to deliver the most effective um, and the most positive outcomes that you can. 
Certainly um, in the developed marketplaces, there is huge opportunity now with um, expansion of um, scope of practice. Uh, pharmacists um, across the globe are uh, vaccinating. COVID was a, a real catalyst to the, um, to the broadening of our uh, scope of practice. Uh, and um, and that will continue. Uh, in Australia, for instance, we now have access to most of the vaccines on the um, NIP. Um, and uh, people uh, now consider pharmacy um, as the uh, default solution uh, for most vaccinations. Um, that, um, that process can be duplicated uh, with minor armament programs and will be duplicated as these trials are successfully completed. So I guess the advice is um, pharmacists have great capacity, um, regardless of the marketplace you are working in. Um, you need to exercise that capacity. Uh, pharmacists need to commit wherever they are to the notion of lifelong learning. We have to continually be prepared to upskill um, and re-educate ourselves so that everything we do um, is informed by uh, contemporary education um, and the very latest skills that apply within that um, discipline. So I think that um, uh, there is enormous opportunity uh, for pharmacy um, at this point in time. We are being recognised as um, skilled, capable primary healthcare providers. Uh, traditional primary healthcare is under enormous pressure from capacity and pharmacists are well positioned uh, to, uh, to take up some of that workload um, and deliver for their local communities and the communities more broadly. So I think it, um, I think the, the key message is to be the very best you can be uh, by the best practice, by um, maintaining the best um, education um, updates and skill updates that you can, and to always look to extend yourself by way of um, uh, extended scope of practice. Thank you. And can I ask, what are some of the best or entrepreneurial changes you might have seen um, different pharmacies adapting in over the last few years? Uh, entrepreneurial uh, changes. Um, that's that's an interesting question because we've seen entrepreneurs in the pharmacy marketplace like Chemist Warehouse, um, and that is a deep discounting um, health and beauty superstore model, uh, which by any measure has been phenomenally successful. Is that the future of pharmacy? Um, for one part of it, perhaps, uh, but for the um, community-based pharmacist who is a health professional, um, I think there is enormous opportunity to be entrepreneurial um, within uh, your suburban or your shopping center setup um, and deliver um, more and more programs. Um, I was in, uh, a pharmacy in Shortland in Newcastle um, a few weeks ago. Um, and uh, this is a pharmacy, it's called My Community Pharmacy. It is a pharmacy uh, that has no co-located doctors. Um, it has uh, no uh, supermarket in their suburb. But what it did have, um, and I spent uh, most of uh, one day there, was a constant stream of customers being greeted by their first names. Um, they have a menu boards of uh, services they provide. Um, they have on those menu boards a pricing structure for everything they do. Um, there is no mention of free. Um, home delivery um, is charged based on, um, on the, uh, the distance involved. Um, and I see that as real entrepreneurial 
behavior. Um, anything, anyone can do anything for nothing. But if you don't value your own time, then the patients that you are servicing won't value it either. The same pharmacy has installed a uh, in, in a professional services room nearby a, uh, a Webster robot to deal with a, a growing aged care business that they have developed and community-based uh, Webster pack uh, patients. Um, and they have uh, two, uh, two um, consultation rooms within their pharmacy, plus a special um, visiting uh, uh, professional room, which is used by podiatrists. Uh, they have a maternal and baby health um, care clinic in another room. Um, it is truly, I think, um, a real entrepreneur, entrepreneurial behaviour in an area which is probably um, best described as working class um, rather than um, higher socioeconomic um, uh, base. So I think uh, that was that was uh, a look that was for me um, very much a look towards the future of community pharmacy, um, and I commend those people for what they're doing. It's a uh, it's an excellent um, uh, presentation that they have. Thank you. And I thought I might ask you um, what advice you have for pharmacists who might want to be part of FIP. Yes, so um, pharmacy um, is a global profession um, and FIP is the home, the global home for more than 4 million pharmacists, pharmaceutical scientists and um, pharmacy educators. Um, it is uh, FIP membership, which can be um, uh, achieved by way of uh, individual membership. FIP is a organisation which has member organisations. So in Australia, for instance, um, the PSA, uh, the Society of Hospital Pharmacists, uh, are two of a number of uh, member organisations we have. Uh, but uh, a lot of people um, will join um, FIP as individual members and they become involved and will be involved in um, one of the sections in the, um, in the BPP, the Board of Pharmaceutical Practice, or one of the special interest groups in the Board of Pharmaceutical Science, uh, where they... Um, uh, where they will volunteer to uh, give their expertise um, in delivery of uh, and and uh, the working up of uh, reports, statements, um, etc. Um, so it's um uh, it's a great opportunity. Um, it's a great opportunity to expand your network, uh, to meet some very talented people from across the globe, all with a common interest, and that's pharmacy. So it um it's it's broadening your 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 view of pharmacy. Uh, as we broaden our scope of practice locally, um, then uh, it's, uh, it, it is sometimes a natural progression to uh, broaden your vision of pharmacy internationally, um, and FIP is the vehicle for that. Um, and it can be a very satisfying journey. You'll meet a lot of very interesting people, a lot of very talented people, and I've said they're, they're the one common interest is pharmacy. Thank you. Um, is there anything that you would like to share that I haven't asked you today? No, I think you've been uh, very comprehensive. But, uh, and uh, if there's, uh, I, I don't know if there are any other issues, but um, but no, I, I think that um, uh, pharmacy um, has been a, a, a very um, rewarding profession, both professionally and personally for myself. Um, I have a daughter who's a pharmacist. Um, my father was a pharmacist. So I, um, I've spent a lot of time in and around pharmacy uh, during my career and even when I was growing up. But I do see um, real opportunity for pharmacy. Uh, that opportunity uh, won't be based longer term, um, purely on the supply model, uh, but will be based um, on supply which will continue 
but also the provision of primary healthcare services within pharmacy. We are ideally positioned um, to do more. Uh, our young graduates um, are very highly skilled. Um, in the UK from 2026, every pharmacy graduate will graduate um, as a uh, as a uh, accredited independent prescriber. So they will leave university being able to uh, prescribe against a formulary, um, and that, that's a great step forward. And that, um, I would hope, will be the outcome in Australia from the uh, trials that are happening. But the, um, the opportunity for pharmacists um, to practice as health professionals going forward has never been stronger. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for the input. I gained a lot from that. I'm sure the audience will get a lot from it as well. Well, I hope that was okay. But um, at any point, um, more than happy to uh, to have a chat if there are issues um, uh, globally, uh, which are of interest to the AJP. Uh, quite often, um, there are statements and reports issued by uh, by FIP. Um, if you want to have a, uh, a talk about those um, as they are released, um, I'm more than happy to make myself available. That would be amazing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any thoughts, comments or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP website forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please follow us on Twitter at AJP podcast and send us a message.